This episode has been a long time coming. There are so many reasons learners avoid and dislike math. But a major one that we often ignore and don't talk about is the language of math is confusing. There are so many terms that mean exactly the same thing, and we don't explain it to students in a simple way. We often overcomplicate when we should really simplify. But here's the thing, Smarties. We cannot ignore math vocabulary. We have to highlight this for our learners. We can't pretend you don't have to read and write in math. Today, Rachel coaches all of us on why it's important and how to do it. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 110 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. And today we want, well, I've really been wanting to do this episode on math vocabulary because it's something that over the past academic year I've really honed in on with a lot of students. And we haven't had an opportunity, you and I, Steph, to talk about it or talk about it on here. So let's do it. Okay. So... <laughs> As we've talked about in earlier episodes of our math series, which we'll link in the show notes for you, math is a huge stopgap for many learners, and we always have to start with mindset in math. And that's why a lot of learners who are in ed therapy for math support have to start with growth mindset. There's a lot of negative self-talk when it comes to math. You know, there's always that kid in class who seems to understand everything so quickly, and math is a really defining subject for students. It's not as fluid as language arts or writing or another subject. And it's very clear and very concrete if you got it right or if you got it wrong. Here's the biggest issue that I see around math right now, which is that kids and learners do not think that there should be any words on the page. When it comes to math, They only think that there should be numbers. And this comes into play later on when word problems start to get introduced. So, Steph, when we get those learners who are in third and fourth grade and they had pretty strong basic math skills, but suddenly word problems have come into play and now parents are starting to see a shutdown, there are so many reasons around that that I really wanted to spend some time talking today about because... In other subjects, we give language and we define things and we give vocabulary to concepts very, very early on. Yeah. And when it comes to math, we don't operate that way. We don't define words. There's no vocabulary test or spelling test when it comes to math. All that students see for many, many years are numbers and symbols. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And how often do you ask a learner what's hard about math? And they all say word problems Mm -hmm. every single time. And they all sit there and say, why do we have to do them? Right. Because when we're first introduced... Math, like you said, it's just numbers and symbols. Yeah. So all of a sudden, when you add the words into it, it feels like it's irrelevant. And in fact, it's the complete opposite. Right. And we've set learners up for this complaint. It's literally the only subject we don't have vocabulary tests and definition tests in. And I'm not saying I want everybody out there to go and do those types of tests. But what I'm saying is by having definition tests and spelling tests, we are highlighting that certain words are important. 
and certain meanings are important for our learners. And we don't do that in math. We don't offer up the vocabulary in that way. So they rightfully and naturally bulk at word problems down the road. It makes total sense. Yeah. And one of the things that I have in my office, I'm sure you probably have something similar, but I have a list of the trigger words for what word problems are addition, what are subtraction, all right? All of that. Yeah. So we're going to talk more about that. But as we'll talk about in this episode, what I'm really advocating for is for the learners in our care to build their own vocabulary list. And so 100% love that it's posted. I don't have it posted in my office, and maybe you got to get me one. (laughs) But you also have a lot more wall space in your office than I do. Yeah, that's true. So the other issue that arises, and we've talked about this in earlier episode when we did a word problem episode, and I can't remember which episode number, but we've linked it in the show notes, is that reading is a huge issue for a lot of learners. And therefore, when we have a numbers-focused and digit-focused and symbols-focused subject like math, it's often a relief to learners who are struggling with decoding and comprehension. Mm -hmm. And then when we add in word problems... It's like almost a betrayal of the one subject that they were good at. And it becomes such a burden to have to do multiple things at the same time. Well, and that's what I was going to add. At the same moment that we add word problems in, we are also adding in multi-step problems. Yeah. This is so layered because it's not just the words and the reading and the vocabulary. It's a multi-step. It's not doing things in your head, showing your work on the page, and really not showing your work, but showing your thinking on the page. Right. And also there being irrelevant information. 100%. And then we have to talk about the parts of the problems that aren't important. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of reasons why math becomes such a stopgap for learners. And, you know, there's all the research out there about why girls don't think they're good at math, the mindset around math. But I'm really advocating for some clarity around particularly the language of math. So let me give you some examples of language that can be confusing and sort of mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we have an XY chart. Mm -hmm. But it's also called a coordinate system. We also refer to plotting points. We also refer to simply points. And it's all sort of referring to the same visual image, right? Yeah. I just gave you four different ways of thinking about it. And oftentimes learners hear each of those words and they think it means something different. Mm. I cannot tell you in how many sessions I've said, hey, yo, this and this mean exactly the same thing. And they're like, why didn't somebody tell me that? Yeah, fair. But we're not thinking about it in terms of language. And when you think about it in terms of language, you can make those connections that this and this mean these are. So another example of this, slope is represented by M, which is represented by rise over run. Mm -hmm. And then there's a formula for it as well called the slope formula. But it's all referring to the same thing. I'm going to give you one more example. This is going back to probably the poster you have in your office of how to decode math language. Mm -hmm. But is means equals, sum means addition, difference means subtraction, quotient means division. All these things that I just shared should be labeled and easily referenced. And here's what I hear a lot of math teachers saying. It's in the textbook. 
Who looks at the textbook? Right. <laughs> and it is. Oftentimes in the good math textbooks, it's labeled, it's bolded, but we do not point it out as significant. We do not take time at the beginning of a lesson or a session to say, these are the words that you are learning today. I never looked at any of those pages. I just went to the problems I had to do. And every student does that. And, and, you know, like in history, we're trained to look at the bolded words because we know we're (laughs) going to be tested on it. Yep. Math, don't look. And in math, nobody looks at it. Sometimes the books are even more confusing. They don't clarify the language. But why aren't we starting from a basis of concept and language? There's language that roots the math. Yeah. And, you know, when I think back, I never studied for math tests because I didn't know how. So I just went in blindly all the time because nobody ever talked to me about any of that. So there's so many layers and levels of things that we don't teach the students that they need to know how to do or understand or how to actually get through all these things and that there are other words for things or there is a really easy way to break down a problem when you don't know what it's asking. Right. So in the past, you've heard me advocate for a separate notebook. It's the only class that I want a separate notebook for. We absolutely want it to be something that can be part of the binder system. And if you haven't heard our episodes on how to make organizations simpler, we'll link those as well. So you can learn more about our thought process in terms of this. But in my practice, I gift or insist that every learner has a graphing notebook I like the notebooks that are four boxes to an inch. So this is something people don't pay attention to. When you have graphing notebooks, you can have either five boxes to an inch or four. You want four. Five is too small. And the grid is way too small. I wish they made three for little guys. Steph, I wish sometimes they made two. Yeah. You know, if we ever get into products, (laughs) which I don't see us moving in that direction because we're very service-based, but that would be one of the products that I would want. And you can go online and print out grids with larger squares because so many of the learners under our care have executive functioning issues. I don't like a bunch of loose papers everywhere. You can work within it. You can do two boxes to a number. Yeah. So this is what I do with all new learners when they're coming in and we're working on math. And we go to the very back of the notebook and I divide like the last five to 10 pages into three columns. So I fold it in and I fold it in again. You have three long columns in the very back of the notebook. In the front of the notebook, you're working forward. And in the back of the notebook, you're working backwards. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So each column has a role. So the first column is simply the vocabulary word. The second column is the definition. And it's not the definition that's in the book or the definition that the teacher provides. It's the definition that the student offers on the topic. So we've talked about this on other episodes about rote memorization does not lead to profound learning and understanding. And this is actually critical here. So the question is going to come up of when do we do the vocab list? Do we do it before we've taught the concept or after we've taught the concept? It depends. And it's going to be each individual learner. Some learners, every time I introduce the concept, and then after I introduce it, okay, 
let's go back into the vocabulary list and you define it mm-hmm. because I'm checking for understanding. Some kids already have some sort of understanding. So we start there. Yeah. And even though they understand it, we still put it there because we're building their own vocab and glossary list. Really? I like it. Thanks. And then the third column, this is the image. This is what it looks like. Yeah. This is the symbol. This is where we use color. This is where we're using highlighters. Where you're putting the equation, right? Yeah. So like if we're doing an XY chart, then underneath XY chart on the word column, I would write XY chart. And then I would write coordinate system. Mm -hmm. I would write equals coordinate system. If it's the same thing and there's multiple words for it, it gets one thing on the list. We're not going to draw it four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you were doing something like area, you would do base times height or whatever. Right. And so then they draw a picture and use color to show and explain what they just described in words. Mm -hmm. And then it just lives there. Mm -hmm. The whole point of the math notebook is that it has to become a self-contained glossary and guide of how to complete certain problems. Yeah. Now, we talked with Rishi in episode 109, and then, spoiler alert, he's coming up again in a few weeks because we loved him so much we're bringing him back, about how important forgetting is in learning. Mm -hmm. And we specifically talked with him about how in math, students forget, but they never go through the process of relearning. When problems come up that you know that you've done with the learners in your practice and the learners that you work with, the first thing that they should be doing is going back into their notes and attempting to reteach themselves before we jump in and offer, hey, remember we did this? And we do that work for them. Mm -hmm. We're not helping their long-term memory by doing that for them. But they have to have this built-out glossary of how to do certain problems. And sometimes the vocabulary list can be enough to remind them. And so maybe in another episode, I'll talk more about what I do within the front part of the notebook when we introduce the concept and how I like it on the page and why. But I really just wanted to spend time today advocating for thinking about this, for thinking about the math, for thinking about the vocabulary, for kids who have language deficits, how do we do it without defining this vocabulary for them? Yeah, you know, so often we're just looking for the right answer and we're not looking how they went about it and how you go about it is going to be what's going to set you up for success going forward. I agree. I think there's a trap with math where it's so concrete Mm -hmm. that as a therapist, let's just get them through the homework, which I do sometimes too. It depends. It depends on what's going on. But if we can at the very least keep in the back of our minds, they have to add this to their vocabulary list. Just like we talk about how every session we ask learners, is your calendar updated? Have you checked your portal? Is your email clean? Meaning dealt with. Yeah. (laughs) We need to make this a part of the routine when we do math so that it gets to the point that the learners are like, okay, let me go at it because it does happen. If they are able to predict what you're going to do, they're going to start doing it and what you're going to tell them to do. Oh yeah, for sure. I was just thinking about my traumatic brain injury 
kid. And you guys have heard me talk about her before. Yeah. And I have these little math books. Things have to be a little bit different for her. But I have these little math books. And on the front, she colored them and titled them. So we have an addition and subtraction one. We have a multiplication one. We have a division one. We have a fractions one. We have a geometry one. And so I have them all bundled together. And I pull them out when things are in person. And she goes through and she checks for what we've worked on. And she has to do an example problem and explain her thought process. And I think I originally got this idea from you. Mm-hmm. And she is using the tools that are there. It's her encyclopedia, basically, of math. And she's created it. And she's created it. Occasionally, I'll forget to pull it out. And she'll say, can I have my fractions book? And she'll go through and look and reteach herself what she has explained to herself, her future self. And then she goes back and does the problem. You know, we often talk about do something today that future Rachel or future Steph will be happy about. Yep. And it's exactly that. They're doing things to help their future selves be independent. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love that she's the one who reminds you about it. Oh, yes. She knows it's there. It's her resource. It's great. And they're cute. I just took graph paper and I cut it in half and I stapled it. So they're these little books. Yeah. And they live in your office? They live in my office. And it's so useful because I just pull it out and she just looks through really quickly. And for her, it needed to be very separate of concept, which is why I did it that way. Mm Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a traumatic brain injury child, but some kids, it's too much. And so this way she can categorize and then categorize from there. 100%. Yeah. This is why when we offer up something like the living strategies document, I know that a lot of people really responded to that episode. Yeah, it's very popular. And we'll list that episode in the show notes if you haven't listened to that. My advocating for a math vocabulary list is almost the math equivalent of a living strategies document. Absolutely. Agreed. It builds metacognition. It builds self-awareness. It's self-directed. And then students themselves have created a reference point in their own words, in their own writing that they can understand. Yeah. And, you know, I use the term encyclopedia. They don't know what that means. But, you know, sometimes I'll say like your Wikipedia. Wikipedia. (laughs) And then they know what I'm talking about. Right. But that's basically what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And they know if they're going to, as they call it, search it up, they can search it up because we say Google it and they say search it up, Mm -hmm. that they could go do that. And it's right there at their fingertips and makes it so easy. I don't want them asking Alexa or Siri all the time, which they all do. Right. And I'd much rather them have something that they have to go look at. Right. Not just get told how to solve it. So another idea that I'm having as we're doing this for the learner who struggles with writing, maybe they have dysgraphia or a language issue. And you're listening to me talk about this and you're like, they can't do all that. No problem. You do it. Or create an Instagram that is private, that just you follow and they follow, that you both have access to, and they can do a video explaining the math. Hold the camera over. They're talking to themselves. They post it. You can help them write the caption and the definition. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of our kids aren't on Instagram anymore. It's becoming like an older person thing. It is an older person thing now. Yep. I still think it's the right platform for this kind of work and thinking. If you want to create a visual glossary that's accessible on their phone. Downside of that is obviously they can't access that when they're in class. Yeah. But this is all about 
going in the direction that the learner wants to go. And I have a student that I'm working with right now who is very shut down about math. Yeah. We're using Google Slides. Oh, I love that project you're doing with her. I know. But I have to say, too, there's times where I have kids and I literally just write down word for word what they say. Right. And I have it in Google Docs or sometimes I literally have it in our little book. And I do the writing. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, too. Sometimes we get so stuck in thinking that if they write it, that's going to help them understand it and know it better. Right. And that's not necessarily true for all learners. You know, I'm offering up this math vocabulary idea. Iterate it. Mm -hmm. Do what works best for the clients you're working with. Do what works best for the learners in your family. But just think through this idea about how impactful and game-changing it can be, and then iterate. It doesn't have to look the way that I've done it with a couple clients. It doesn't look like this for every client. Mm -mm. It's just one of the many ways that I do it. Steph offered up a different idea of how she's doing it, and it's all based on what works best for that individual learner. We just want you to know, remember, try one thing, and if it doesn't work, you can always pivot. Yeah. You're not married to anything. That's what's so fun and creative and fluid about the work that we do. Yeah. Especially that client that you are working with, with the Google Slides. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she's so into it Mm -hmm. is fantastic. And she could start making videos on Instagram and that kind of a thing to further it, to take it to the next level. Maybe we'll do that next. I like it. Who knows? Yeah. Got to get parent approval to do social media with a young one. Oh, yep. I started one last week. An Instagram with a kid? Mm Mm-hmm. We're working on writing. So she chose her cats. Uh Uh-huh. And we are coming up with one to two sentences to just get started. Great. That is where she struggles. So that is why we are starting there. Love it. I've been working on getting started with a couple of different kids this summer, and they're getting frustrated because all we're doing is starting, right? Is just starting. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they already know where they want to go, which is great. Yeah. I'm like, I love that you want to go back, but that's not what the point is. And yep. in session, we're just starting five different topics or whatever. So, exactly. All right, Smarties, share with us if you have been doing something like this and hang out with us in our Facebook group which is the Smarties of the Learn Smarter Podcast Facebook group. Yeah. I'm so excited that we did this episode. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I know. I remember we've talked about it. It's good. Have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week.